Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest is Dan Jansen. Uh, he uh, works with a large law firm called Denton's, uh, not in the capacity of, uh, of counsel, but um, providing a service to them, which Dan's going to explain. So, Dan, how are you doing? Uh, good, Richard. How are you? Good, good. So, yeah, if you would uh, just make clear, so w- what is the venture that you're working on and how does it relate to uh, Denton's? Sure. I am the uh, uh, CEO and managing director of something called Next Law Ventures. Uh, we're an early stage legal tech focused uh, venture fund, uh, and we invest in uh, legal tech companies. Uh, maybe by way of background, Denton's a few years back, uh, the leadership kind of saw the technology changes coming, uh, knew that they wanted to own it and shape it, not be a victim of it. Uh, so they conceived of something called Next Law Labs, and I was hired to be the CEO for that. And Labs' vision was to you know, reinvent the practice of law using technology. Uh, and what we came to appreciate is pretty quickly legal tech is blowing up. And while Labs uh, provides innovation as a service and works on non-technology-driven innovations, the tech component grew significantly. And Next Law Ventures was a subsidiary we created to invest in early stage companies uh, because now there's over a thousand legal tech companies and most of the use cases we want to work on, we're finding a cool company already working on it. So what we've done is we've closed off the activity to date of Next Law Ventures Fund One, which Denton's was the sole investor. We have 10 really cool legal tech companies in there, including some AI and other good technologies. And now we're launching, uh, we're in the process of raising Fund Two, which is going to be a scaled up version of Fund One, which is legal tech focused, early stage, leveraging uh, not only Denton's, the largest law firm, well, this is what we call our ecosystem. Denton's the largest law firm in the world by lawyer count. There are many, many clients. We launched something called the Next Law Referral Network, which has 600 small to medium-sized law firms, all of their clients. And we have sister companies, Next Law In-House Solutions, Next Law uh, Public Affairs Network. So um, that's kind of the origin and the history of how we've gotten to ventures. And now Fund 2 is going to bring in outside uh, investors, though Denton's remains our anchor investor and is obviously continuing to support us as we uh, scale up. So what are some of the companies that are uh, using AI in the legal world? What are some of the examples? Well, there's a lot. Uh, you know, in our own portfolio, we have a handful that are working on it. You know, Ross, is expert, Ross Intelligence is an expert legal research-driven uh, tool that leverages artificial intelligence to uh, answer legal questions and create legal memos in a manner consistent with what paralegals and young associates might do. Uh, Beagle is a uh, automated contract review tool that helps uh, intelligently find issues in 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 contracts. Uh, Clause is another one of our smart contracting solution that's probably more focused on IoT, Internet of Things, and blockchain. And those are just the companies in our portfolio. There's many, many other companies out there in the market who are starting to leverage uh, AI. Probably uh, more are talking about doing it than actually doing it, but um, it is certainly an area of growth in terms of the, the application of AI and machine learning to the legal profession. 
Well, what do you think are going to be the most important or critical areas where AI is like desperately needed? You know, I, I think the, 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 mo the more important thing is to take a step back. I mean, all of our thinking, we apply design logic to coming up with legal tech solutions. And by that, I mean, we begin with the pain points, the unmet needs, the frustrations of actual lawyers practicing law or clients practicing law. And the 10 companies we've invested in uh, all have begun with a real lawyer or a client or a practice saying, I have a use case. And that's the most important uh, area to begin with. Um, people often like to jump to the tech, um, but we have 20 use cases, and I can go into them if you like, that are pain points of lawyers experiencing um, yeah. uh, that they experience. Then we move That'd over, okay, what... What? Uh, yeah, so we've, we've invested in expert legal research. We've invested in expertise finding, which leverages another company in our portfolio, Profinda, leverages artificial intelligence to find the real lawyer with the best experience. We've invested in transparent matter management. Uh, we've invested in quality assessment of law corporate legal departments, evaluating outside law firms, uh, analytical analytics and decision support, leverage a lot of AI, automation of compliance, um, regulatory updates, privacy, security, automated contract review. I, I don't want to bore you with all 20, but we've identified those 20 pain points that we believe are the opportunity in legal tech. Then to get back to your question, if you begin with the use case, then you move to what technologies are appropriate. And uh, we have a mixture of technologies, some very low-tech, basically cloud-based UI, UX, good UI, UX kind of interface web 2.0 stuff that's kind of off-the-shelf kind of programming all the way up through AI, machine learning, blockchain, and IoT kind of stuff. And so specifically, this is an AI chat, you have to think about what kind of data sets are appropriate for artificial intelligence and, and what kind of tasks you want to be undertaken. So the data sets, and I won't completely dork out here for you, but basically think about large amounts of structured and unstructured data. Um, a, a legal invoice is a good example. There's all sorts of pros describing what the attorney did, and then there's a, a time allocation, and then there's a dollar amount. But when you look at legal memos or court rulings or large amounts of structured and unstructured data, that, that's great for um, uh, AI and machine learning. And so then what's the machine good at? It's, it's very good at repetitive tasks, and it can do them faster, better, cheaper uh, than humans can. Um, it's very good at searching and filtering. It's very good at predictions. It's very good at uh, decision support. And I'm happy to give you examples against all of those. But if those kind of data attributes and uh, tasks that you want to complete are what are, is underneath the use case you've identified, then AI and machine learning is a great uh, technology to apply. Okay. Um, is this going to be, it sounds like this is more for much larger firms or ones that are inv involved in maybe commercial litigation. Uh, what, what practice areas seem to lend themselves to uh, AI and what size firm? Well, I, I would challenge your premise. Um, I, I think the tools and technologies that AI enables uh, will help to democratize law. And by that, I mean it won't only be the largest law firms in the world that have this knowledge management systems that have all of this expertise embedded in them. Uh, these tools and technologies are going to make that kind of expertise available to small and mid-sized firms. Remember, remember, on our Next Law Referral Network, we have 600 member firms that are small to mid-sized firms. And it's going to make that expertise available to uh, corporate legal departments. It's going to make that expertise available to consumers in a B2C sense. 
I'll give you an example, Ross Intelligence. Um, you know, we have been working, we are the first, well, I think one of the first investors in, they've now gone all the way through an A round. Um, they are working in multiple practice areas of law. Uh, bankruptcy was the first area they applied. Um, and it took many months to teach the machine with smart lawyers, ingesting massive amounts of case law and expert memos uh, for the machine to learn to answer questions in the bankruptcy area of law. Once that machine is enabled and smart enough to answer questions with the confidence interval of 80, 90 percent, um, any lawyer can ask the machine that question and that lawyer will benefit from uh, all of that expertise that has been put into the machine. So while large law firms and large legal departments are going to be able to refresh and keep current and maybe have a, an earlier mover advantage because the law is changing and expertise keeps getting enhanced and refined, um, some of these tools and technologies are going to help to, uh, uh, like I said, democratize law and make that expertise available to uh, more and more uh, customers, more and more clients. So what's an example of democratizing the law? What's a practice area? What's an example of how it would work? Well, I'll take Ross Intelligence bankruptcy. You know, right now some bankruptcy questions can be very complex, right? And only the largest law firm could, larger law firms could maybe take on those challenges, those questions. Now you could be a small law firm, two people. You could have Ross on your desktop and you could ask it a bankruptcy question, and it will be as if a large corporate, uh, corporate legal department or a larger law firm's bankruptcy department is providing the expertise to that one-man shop, you know, in a strip mall somewhere in the suburbs. And so that, that's a democratization in that that one lawyer may not have been able to previously take on a matter like that. Um, expertise finding, you know, where Profind is a great example. Right now, you know, how do you find the lawyer who really has the experience relative to your matter? You ask friends, you get referrals, you look online, you find ratings. Here, you know, if you have Profinda on your desktop, the machine will tr will go through all of the time and billing systems of, of a law firm or, or a network of law firms. It will uh, look at the, read all of the invoices and see, gosh, you know, did Richard really work on one of these? He did one of these deals last year, but this woman over here I found has done 20 of these deals this year, and she's hard to find because she's too dang busy doing 20 of the types of deals that I want uh, her to work on. So that's kind of a democratization and access opportunity. And that's where uh, AI, machine learning, and its ability to go through 700 plus million calculations per second uh, provides that kind of power to users via these tools and technologies that these small companies can make available at a very modest cost. Well, how would you get a lot of this information? It seems like it's locked behind paywalls. You know, in the federal system, there's Pacer, which charges exorbitant amounts for any of their data. You know, law firms, a lot of that client data is going to be proprietary. Uh, how would you get a lot of this even to make these uh, these calculations? Well, the, the, the obviously law firm data is proprietary and there's a great deal of privacy around it. And firms can create tools pointed at their own data sets for their own purposes. But the thousand plus legal tech companies out there are working uh, on other uh, publicly available data sources. I'll, I'll give you an example. One of our companies is Librio. And what they do is it's place-based regulation. And so um, if you want to, let's say you want to put a cell tower on in a town um, sitting out here in California uh, on a building I'm looking at across the street, um, there's going to be regulations at the city, the uh, county, the state, and the federal level that apply to your ability to put that cell tower there. Uh, across the street is actually a different town 
even though it looks contiguous. They have slightly different rules at the city, similar at the state and federal. Librio ties into the legal publishers. It ties into the city, state, county, federal government rules and regulations using live RSS feeds and other ways of getting this data so that when you punch in, hey, I'm going to put a cell tower here at this geospatially located spot, it can tell you all the rules and regulations that exist. Now, that's they're tying into publicly available sources and information, but they're able to do it because of their technology can move so fast and so quickly. And so a lot of information, you know, the, another technology company we looked at out in California has digitized the entire Harvard Law School library or the entire case history of the uh, you know U.S. and federal appeals courts. These machines have such massive um, calculating power, it would take a room full of paralegals and junior associates to do that work uh, weeks. Uh, the machines can do it in seconds or minutes. Okay. What do you think would be the uh, more, or sorry, the less accessible areas of law that you know will need a change and be able to get to the data to make determinations? Of well, I think you know there's a lot of silly articles being written out there about how the robots are taking over the world and they're going to eliminate your job, uh, young lawyer. Um, you know, my view is there's no better time to be a young lawyer than I have seen in my life. Uh, because what the, the the machines and technologies do is it's always human plus machine is better than human or machine, um, uh, and 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 that's an important point to emphasize because the machine can take away some of the drudgery uh, in your day to day existence. You know, before I talked about AI being good at searching or filtering, my wife is a corporate uh, lawyer working a big M and A deal, and as a young associate, her client was acquiring another company that had a thousand leases that needed to be reviewed. Her job was to stay up all night for several nights in a row, read every lease, and find the assignment clause and the change of control clause. Uh, by the third day, she, could, she was so exhausted, she could barely spell the word assignment. The machine can find those very quickly. And what it will do is it will put those 1,000 leases into three buckets. It'll say, hey, these 700 are identical. You know, but you just read it once and you've read it 700. These 200 have slight differences, young lawyer. Here's a table. Review the differences, see the issues. And these 100 are... Uh, weird. There's all sorts of stuff going on. Spend your time on these hundred. You don't have to stay up all night, but this is where you're going to focus. And that's an example of human plus machine is better than human or uh, machine. And so, you know, my, my view is it's a great time to be a lawyer. It can take away the drudgery. And there's all these opportunities to go into these legal tech companies as a business person, if you want. You can still be a lawyer, uh, but you can also be the business person in these legal tech companies. So I'm sorry I took your question a couple of different places there, but uh, lots of opportunities. Well, it was a good example, uh, though. But, yeah, go ahead. What areas do you think will be difficult and not accessible that need to be worked on? Well, yeah, I mean, let me, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't even get to the actual answer to your question, which is uh, if you have the human and machine working in concert to generate faster, better, cheaper legal solutions, that machine will never be able to replace the trusted advisor relationship that a lawyer has with her client, right? Um, because when there's a bet the company decision or there's a delicate matter that requires emotional intelligence and, and, and requires inference and requires uh, an understanding of history and who that client really is, that lawyer is irreplaceable um, in terms of her expertise and the trusted relationship she has. The machines will never do that, but they will help to enable her to get to that, the, the data she needs more quickly in a faster, better, cheaper way, and so she can provide better service to the clients, 
the clients are going to say, this woman is amazing, this is my outside lawyer, because or my inside lawyer, uh, because she found this very insightful observation way faster than she used to. It's because she's enabled by these tools and technologies. And so that will never be replaced. And the machines aren't going to replace you. They're, I always tell people who are worried about this, uh, technology is giving you a promotion, not a pink slip. And by that, I mean, it's taking away some of the young lawyers. You talk to them, with all due respect, parts of their jobs aren't very fun. They're, they're staying up all night finding the assignment clause. They're, they're chasing signatures on some deal in the middle of the night trying to find some guy in right. you know, London to sign something. Um, the machines can do that. Um, and so you're going to be doing higher level work, more interesting work, more fulfilling work, um, more valuable work uh, for the clients with the time you have available. That makes sense. I've heard about like e-discovery, you know, the reading of millions of documents and doing semantic analysis to see what the intent is. Um, so I guess AI is definitely making itself into the legal world in many ways. Yeah, and, and I always remind people that the, the hype the hype curve exceeds the reality curve, right? And that's the case in almost all disruptions of industry. We're, we're still early days here, right? There's a lot more actual there's a lot more talking about AI in the law than actual AI impacting the law. You know, if this is an American baseball game, we're barely into the second inning. But but the potential is significant. The progress is growing significantly. Um, so we we see um, real opportunities for, again, not only faster, better, cheaper legal solutions, but more law to be practiced because there are legal services gaps in the B2C world and the B2B world. So speaking of the hype curve, what's possible now and what's still a fancy but is maybe a few years off and what's what's way off well i mean my, my, my sense is if there's a couple answers we could go to the technology part of this or but let me just stay with an industry structure point is we've had an explosion in legal tech companies around the world well over a thousand over 1400 by last count um all of them aren't going to make it Right. You know, the legal industry can't handle a thousand plus new vendors. Right. But but what's going to happen is we're going to in a, in a corporate legal departments and large law firms can't be dealing with a, hundreds of outside technology vendors. And so we're going to start to see I think the hype curve is probably about at the, the, the peak. And we're going to start to see some slight disillusionment come in. It's a standard curve. And if you look at, the, you know, the adoption and technologies and we're going to start to see some of these solutions fail, we're going to start to see some consolidation. Strategic players are going to start acquiring legal tech solutions. We're going to start seeing them bundled up and eventually IPO'd. And so um, in law firms and lawyers are not always great with failure, but you know, disruption involves lots of failure. So the, my view is fail fast, figure out if it works, get rid of it. That one works. Let's grow that one. And that company needs to acquire these three companies. And so we're going to see a really interesting kind of consolidation phase, I think, over the next couple of years. When it, when it comes to uh, the technologies and how they develop, you know, blockchain's the next next thing. We could do a whole other call on that one if you like. But in terms of AI, you know, uh, remember it's still AI is really a menu of all these APIs that you combine in a way and point at a problem. The APIs will proliferate, and so we're going to find more. It's a salad bar analogy I often speak to. We're going to have more ingredients in the salad bar to make better salads. So more APIs coming in. The APIs will get better. They're going to operate in more languages so that we can work in more jurisdictions. Um, a simple example is natural language processing, right? You know, if you talk to Siri on your iPhone, she's okay, right? Uh, sometimes funny. My kids love to play games and get her to say inappropriate things. Um, in a year or two, that NLP is not. 
it's not going to be funny when Siri gets it wrong. And a year or two after that, you're not even going to know you're talking to a machine because the AI and the natural language processing and the inference analysis and all of those cool things are going to be so good that you're just uh, you're just going to think you're talking to uh, a human. They'll probably have to disclose it's a machine at some point. But my point is that AI is technology curve is going to continue down Moore's law, uh, and the industry structure is going to kind of consolidate accordingly. At least that's what my crystal ball says at this point. Okay, interesting. So, how can listeners find out more about your venture fund? Do you show all the companies that are in it? Um, you know, what if they want to participate in the next, the second fund that you've opened up? Well, I have to be careful. It's a, it's this is a private uh, fund, and only you know limited partners and qualified investors can participate. But if they're interested in uh, learning more about legal tech and about Next Law Ventures and who we're uh, investing in, uh, uh, please come to nextlawventures.com. You'll see our portfolio of companies. You'll see some really. Uh, uh, you'll have the opportunity to read about them. Fund one companies. There's ten companies. I got another five I want to invest in tomorrow once I get this fund closed uh, because our deal flow has been amazing, uh, uh, and and we're kind of uniquely positioned. We think we're the first legal tech focused fund out there. So we have a little bit of thought leadership on there. Come to the website, check it out, check out our companies. Go to their websites. There's demos. There's videos. Uh, and to be clear, we're only one little corner of legal tech world. We've looked at almost 300 companies and opportunities over our first couple of years, and we've only invested in 10. So there's all sorts of cool ones out there that we're not invested in yet. Uh, but as a small uh, venture fund, we can only focus on a few, handful or two at a time. Okay. Well, very good. Dan, I appreciate you coming on the line, and thanks for being here. Yeah, no worries. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. 